0: Hey everyone, it's Kevin here with the Better Bible Reading Podcast. And I am excited to share with you that today I am starting what I'm going to be calling Teaching Thursdays. Teaching Thursdays are going to be my bonus content that I want to give to you absolutely for free. And it's an assortment of teachings that I have done, whether they were sermons or Sunday school classes. And I thought it might be a fun way to supplement my Bi-weekly podcast episodes So you'll be getting these Especially if you're subscribed Via iTunes, which by the way If you aren't already I would highly encourage you to do that But you'll be receiving these on every other week The weeks that I'm not sending out my regular episodes So what that means is Every single Thursday you're going to be getting something from me Either my regular podcast episode Or something from the Teaching Thursday series And for today, to launch this, I'm going to be sharing with you a sermon that I actually preached about four years ago or so. And that sermon, back then I had absolutely no idea about starting this podcast or my website, but that sermon I called The Mind of God. And what it is, is a sermon on the book of 1 Corinthians, especially 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where Paul talks about how we come to understand the things of God and how God reveals those things to us in His Word. So you can certainly see, as part of this concept of better Bible reading, you will see how that sermon in particular relates to our conversations we've been having on this podcast and over at my website about better Bible reading. So I hope that you will enjoy this as a little bit of a supplement to my normal uh, podcast episodes. I hope you're encouraged from what you hear, and I hope that you learn something from God's Word. So enjoy this time. There's about 40, 45 minutes or so, and I hope that it's of great benefit to you In your life. By the way, if you have not, I want to encourage you to go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training. And in that free training, I want to share with you a series on how to study a book of the Bible. It's completely free. It's something I have created and assorted and packaged, especially for you via the Internet. You can go and sign up absolutely for free and enjoy seven days of boot camp training. If you're curious of how do I even start or how do I wrap my head around studying a book of the Bible. In this example, in the training, we look at the book of Romans. And if you're interested in that, if you want to know how to study a book of the Bible, what tools you need, what kind of habits to have in place, what a process and what a method looks like that'll be helpful to you, head on over to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training. Well, enjoy this episode. God bless you. Thanks a lot. Does anybody in here have a very difficult time reading the Bible? And understanding it. Maybe you like to talk about this a lot in uh, our Bible Max class. We tend to shy away from the Old Testament a lot because all the lineages and all the weird names and all the strange stuff like that. So we like to spend more of our time in maybe the Gospels, maybe one of the letters, maybe one of the short letters, because, man, if I only got 10 minutes, I'm going to read through Jude or something like that because it's just real small. One chapter. But some of us tend to shy away, not because of the size of books of the Bible, but because of how difficult it is to understand, how difficult it is to relate to it, and how difficult it is to learn something from it. But God has given us this, which we call the Bible, which is not a classroom textbook. It's not a book of millions of fortune cookies cut and pasted together. It's not a book of witty one-liners, but it is, in fact, the true Word of God. It is the powerful Word of God. It is the Word that is greater and the authority that is over all other words. And in it is the words of God, and in it is the words of life. This is where we find ourselves at here in 1 Corinthians, and Paul has something to say to us about why it's important for us to understand what God is telling us in the word. So let's look at this in three different aspects. Let's look at verses 9 through 11, and we'll break that down to understand. Let me read those again. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. How many of you are very keen, if you don't understand something in the Bible, or if you don't understand a life situation that you find yourself in, that we like to quote this verse, or maybe we kind of make a little adjustment to the verse, and we'll say it this way. Well, his ways are not our ways. I think a lot of us like to use that verse a lot. And this is what it comes from. It's Isaiah 55, 8, and it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And so we like to quote that verse a lot because it is true. It is God's word that he tells us. But I believe um, more oftentimes than not, when we quote that verse, we're actually quoting it as an excuse to not study, to not press in, to not dig deep, to not pray through. How about when we come to a passage of scripture that we don't understand? We don't quote Isaiah 55, 8. Very quickly, but we quote Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine that says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So many times we like to take what God has actually revealed to us and treat it as something that is still concealed. And we say, well, his ways aren't my ways. And usually that means I shouldn't read the Bible. I shouldn't pray. I can't figure it out. I can't understand God. I'm just going to leave it to him, and I'm going to continue on about my day because it's too hard to figure out. And I don't want to try to figure out God because that's wrong. Well, it is wrong if we try to figure out God and hold him to our own standard. But it's not wrong to press in and to dig deep and to cling to God and ask him to show us the things that he has revealed to us. And here's what Paul says. The things that he's revealed to us, he's revealed them to us through the Spirit. So I don't know what your thoughts are about the Holy Spirit. I think there's really some strange things that we find on TV and things that we read in books about the Holy Spirit is like this extra little flavoring, this little seasoning that's on us. And now we're all super whatever. But truly... The most important thing that the Holy Spirit does as we receive him is he allows us to understand God. How can you understand me and what I'm thinking in my mind if I don't tell you? And how can you really understand my mind to a T unless you really have my mind itself? You can't. The best you can do is listen to me when you ask me questions, and hopefully I can explain good. Or maybe if I write something down, you can read it, and you can say, oh, I understand him a little bit better. But if I don't talk, if I don't speak, if I don't communicate, then you really have no idea what I'm thinking. You have no idea what I'm doing. And unfortunately, you may look at my actions alone. You look at my actions, and you like to draw some conclusions about who I am. Where really, you don't understand my mind, you don't understand the intent, you don't understand the purpose of why I'm doing what I'm doing, so then you have this Kevin Morris, he's this and this and this and this and this. Which some of it may be true, but some of it may not. And unfortunately, we do that with God, who doesn't sin like I do, who doesn't mess up like I do, who doesn't make bad decisions like I do. But if all we understand is God's actions but not his mind, not his purpose, then we're forced to do a lot of what the world does, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, will say things like this. Well, I don't understand why God would do this. I don't understand why God, doesn't that mean that he's this? Doesn't that mean that he's not this? We get caught up in that kind of cycle a lot. And as I said, we're not going to know everything about God, but there are some things we are going to know. So what are those things? He says, verse 11, like I said, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And what he said in verse 10 was that these things, in other words, the things in verse nine, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. In other words, the things that people can't figure out on their own, no matter how much they try to, God has freely revealed to us. Well, how has he done it? By people with big IQs? No. People who have the Holy Spirit. People who have the mind of Christ. So what does the Spirit know? The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of of God, Pastor Greg spends a lot of time up here challenging all of us, reminding us how important it is to stay in God's word and to pray and also to spend time, zip our lips, put the key in our back pocket or throw it out in the woods somewhere because sometimes we just talk too much and listen, listen to God weigh, meditate, figure out, understand what he's trying to tell us. And these aren't just little nuggets or little small things of who God is. It says the depths of God. Think about that for just a second. The depths of God. If you're in a kiddie pool... Some of you guys go over here to the Aquatic Center. they got that little kiddie pool with the little fountain that's sprinkling up, and the kids like to go over there and play. They're real small toddlers, and the water goes up to about my ankles, and the kids are like, you know, they're, they're trying to stand up because it's like it's up high on them. But for any adult that walks over there, you can look at it. You can see everything that's inside of that little kiddie pool, and it won't take long before you understand all there is to know about that kiddie pool. But if we go out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, things change a little bit. The depths of the sea are so vast, we couldn't even begin to guess or figure out what's in there. And so it is with God. When we press in to him, when we ask him to teach us, when we ask him to show us, His mind to help us understand what his intention is. If anybody loves their father and if anybody is a good father, he will take his children and he will teach them his way of life. So it is with our heavenly father. He doesn't just want to save us and say there, you're not going to get burned. You're not going to smell like smoke when you die. You're going to be with me, but carry on, do your own thing. That's not how it is with God. He has adopted us into his family. We call him father. Because we are now his sons and daughters through Christ And any good son and daughter wants to follow along with their daddy to learn What he's all about And so it is with God How many of you love to fish? Some of you, I mean we're in Georgia I mean there's nothing to do besides that really (laughs) Fish Tan That's about it Okay you guys enjoy going to a, a little pond for... I know you, you guys like to go out on your boats and stuff, but some, some of you don't have a boat like me. I don't have a boat. I go fishing like once every 10 years. And <laughs> so that's like twice in my whole life. But it's fun. A little pond, You you... Like to cast out, you put the little hot dogs on it, not, not, the, not the brown hot dogs. Those are good, but you want to use those red, weird-looking hot dogs and give them to the fish because you don't want to be wasteful. And you like to just reel out, have a good time, catch some little small fish, and then you say, you know, this pond's really dirty. I don't even know if I want to eat these, so I'm going to throw them back. But if you go there day after day after day after day, you begin to get comfortable. You begin to know where the fish are going to be at. You have a good time. You spend time maybe with some of your friends. And before long, you're thinking, you know, I really I really think I want to go somewhere else. I, I pretty much know everything there is about this. But how many of you go uh, deep sea fishing? Like three people. Okay. Are you masters at it? Not at all. Even if you go every day, you could barely, in your wildest imagination, run out of area to discover. You can't go deep sea fishing, even if you go every day, and learn and understand all there is out in the depths of the sea. So many of us, when we get into God's word We want to play it so safe and fish at the pond because it's familiar to us, because we know it, because we're not going to stumble across something we may or may not understand. We're not going to stumble across something that's going to really just get at us, just cause us to pray, cause us to press into God, because we don't want to go deep sea fishing. I've seen what some of those waves do to those boats. That's dangerous. Let's play it safe. Let's stay at the pond. So many times we do that. But what are we missing out on? We're missing out on the depths of God. Those of you who are married, you're going to spend the rest of your life learning and understanding your spouse better. And when the Lord calls you home, there's still not going to be everything to know about that person. You're not going to understand everything about them. Only God knows everything about us. But he's invited us into something, and he said that marriage exemplifies the same thing as Christ and his church. That the church, us, the bride, will seek after the groom, will seek after Jesus, will seek after learning more about him, understanding him more. How do we do that? Not sitting on our back porch weighing opinions about what he might be like while we're sipping on stuff. I think God's like this. We do that all the time. Maybe not you. I mean, I, I've never done that, but I've thought that way, and I know some people do. But that is our mentality. Where are we going to find the truth about God? Right here. I'm sad to say it's only been the last couple of years that I've actually read through the entire Bible. Oh, how many things I've missed out on for all of my life. Oh, how many things I still have yet to learn that I don't know yet. But that's the joy in it. Is there joy in your heart to learn more about God Almighty? I sure hope there is. That's why we're here. That's why we come here every single week. Yes, we come here to confess our sins. We come here to ask God to help us But How many times do you come here to truly just enjoy him? He's made us for worship. If we're made for worship, why do we neglect enjoying him? Why do we neglect learning about him? Why do we neglect taking time away in our lives and our busy schedules to get alone with the one who loves us most? Like I said in verse 11, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? goes back to what I said. We can't hope to understand about God and figure him out apart from what he has said to us. But what he said to us is truth. What he said to us is revealed. And that's what he does. Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 12. I'm going to read 12 and 13. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now, who has a hard time understanding things in the Bible sometimes? Yes. Yes. Everyone. Absolutely. Everyone does. But what I'm talking about is not the things that God has maybe not revealed to us yet, but what I'm talking about is the things that he has, things that he has revealed to us. Not only that, but the phrase he uses is that it's the things that are freely given us. So what does that mean? That means that this book is not an encryption It's not a code to be cracked. I mean, you heard like the Bible codes and all those strange things that like, well, if you read, if you read this sideways, you can see everything about 9-11 on there. Like, I don't know why we come up with these weird things. Doesn't make any sense. But God has freely given us the depths of his mind, the depths of his heart through the Holy Spirit. That means if he's freely given it to us. How do we learn it? If something is freely given to you, you have not worked for it. You've not traded for it. It was a gift. It's not wages. A gift. How many times when you read the Bible and you understand something in it, do you spend a moment and say, God, to thank you for showing me that? You know, we do that sometimes when the three of us are reading in the mornings and Dad's there too. We read and we say thank thank you God for <laughs> thank you God for showing that to me. Why? It's a gift. It's a gift. It is a gift. But who's it a gift for? So he said, These things God has revealed to us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might understand the things freely given us. Who is we and who is us? Go back to the beginning of this book, if you will. And Paul is going to tell us who we and us are. Chapter 1, verse 2 says this to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus oh that must not mean us cuz we're not at that church no keep reading called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their lord and ours so we us who we're talking about we're talking about believers What are the true marks of a believer? There's a ton of true marks for a believer. But I think the most important thing, besides things speaking about our own salvation and that God has forgiven us of our sins, that the most important thing and the truest marks of a believer is one who has received the Holy Spirit from God. The Bible says that when we receive the Holy Spirit, it is a seal put on us. It is a guarantee put on us. It is a down payment put on us. And God is a responsible finance man, more responsible than any of us in here. So when he puts a down payment on something, he intends to buy it. It is his promise that he's given to say, that one's mine. I'm coming for that one. That one is mine. So that's good news. But if you don't know Christ, then may I be so bold to say that don't necessarily read we and us as if it's talking to you. Ouch. What does that mean? That means that God has not freely Given, freely taught, freely communicated, everything to everybody at all times. It's a gift. We just read that. It's freely given to us. One of the most important things when we turn to God and repent of our sins and ask him to be our Savior is that he gives us his spirit. That's not just, there you go. Wear the uniform. Everybody knows what team you're on. But it's understanding God, understanding his mind, understanding his thoughts, understanding the word as we read it, asking him, God, please take away all of my preconceived notions. When I open up a book, and I said, oh, I know what that is. That's talking about this. Please give me a fresh perspective. Help me to understand what. You're teaching me what your word says, not by human wisdom, but by the spirit this is what we just read. And this is where we get into danger, because if you look at verse 13, we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I think that pastors really get into a lot of trouble. Because if we're to understand the things given to us by God, the things given to us are not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. That means it doesn't matter how loud or how quiet I communicate this to you. God is the one through the Holy Spirit to help you to understand. All I can do is plead, and all I can do is encourage you to understand, to ask God. We say this, God, please give us ears to hear your word. Please help us understand what you're trying to teach us. But pastors get into this dangerous mindset because we think if we just hit that podium enough times or if we just stomp our feet enough times or what we see a lot of times nowadays, if we if we use a lot of electronics, if we use a lot of lights, if we bringing the message in just the right way, if we build up emotion for just the right amount of time, and then there it is, got the punchline at the end, that somehow that is going to make you understand God's word. But it's not human wisdom. This is what Paul says. He says, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. We refuse to tamper with God's word here because it's powerful enough, it doesn't need our help. <laughs> for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. Not the pastor, not the message, not the message title, not the three points in the message, but the gospel is the power of God. The message. Are we messengers or are we entertainers? I hope that we're messengers. I hope that you cling to the word of God strongly enough and trust in the power of God for salvation, not the power of man. But we get into this strange thing, and I'm going I'm to just step on some toes here for a second. It's also not about grammar. In other words, Can God more holy speak to me in the King James Version Bible or the NIV Bible? Because one of those uses a lot of those and thou's and these and other things like that. And I love the King James Bible, but still, if, if you read Shakespeare and you understand Shakespeare. Is there any spiritual benefit for that because of the old English? No, there's not. Is there any benefit to simply understand old English writing? No, there's not. Is there also more benefit to understanding more modern day speaking like NIV, ESV, things like that? No, there's not. People who listen to Jesus speak and teach, they heard every word that he said but that doesn't mean they understood. If somebody were to call me and say, I'm going to teach you how to say this paragraph in German. I was like, okay, let's do it. So I learned this paragraph in German. I say it in perfect German. I can recite it, I can pronounce it. But how in the world am I going to understand what it means unless somebody teaches me? I'm not. And so it is with God. It's not about human wisdom. It's not about the grammar. It's not about the presentation. It's about the message itself. The gospel, the news. And it's given to us by the spirit. It is the power to change our lives. And that's good news. It's very good news. But there's also another part of that. It's one thing to understand it. It's another thing to share it. What does he say in verse 13? Does he say we understand this? He says we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. So that means if we understand the message, we are to impart that message How did you become to be a Christian? Somebody imparted the message. Somebody shared it. Somebody went and told it. And it made its way to you. And God brought you from death to life through the message, the power of God. That is extremely good news. But don't miss that little application in there that seems to be, if we just read past it, we're not going to see it. But we impart this. How many of you impart the things that God has freely given you? How many of you keep them all to yourself? Because what if I don't communicate it the right way? <laughs> well, if it's not your wisdom to begin with, then surely you know that it doesn't hold on how well you say it for it to bring fruit. We're just messengers. The king calls us up and he says, give this message to this people in this country. Okay. Is it your message to tweak into, well, that doesn't really sound. I'm going to add this little thing in there. No. The message is powerful enough on its own. It is God's message. So impart it. (laughs) What are you doing at work? What are you doing in your family? What are you doing with your sons and daughters while you raise them? What are you doing with your wife as you cherish her? What are you doing with your husband as you watch the way that he leads? Are you saturated in the gospel, in the power of God? Or do you make your day-by-day decisions by human wisdom? If you read chapter 1 in here, Paul says human wisdom is actually what we call foolishness. I don't have time to do all that, but unless you want to be here for like five hours. and I'm all for it. Let's do this. I got water. I'm ready. But go back and read it. There's so much in here that God is revealing to us. Follow with me in verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What did I say before? I said that it is through the Holy Spirit that we understand God. How many of you have spent time after time trying to share this message with people And they laugh at you, or they get very hostile and very angry. You can raise your hands, okay? How many of you used to be those people? Okay, did you wake up one day and suddenly become smarter? No, God revealed it to you as a gift. We owe all of our thanks to Him. Not to how wise we are. Not to the, I get it, why don't they? It's not what it's about. Humility, humbleness, the heart of a servant. To make his king proud. To make her king proud. That is the mindset we have to take. When we understand how far off we were from God... And he brought us near. How did he bring us near by our salvation, by giving us the Holy spirit, by allowing us to understand the things that used to be folly to us, things we didn't understand spiritually discerned things. And it is through the Holy spirit. So what do we run into a lot of times? Well, well, I'm gonna be one that advocates reading through God's Word often. <laughs> it's good stuff. It really is it's life-changing stuff. But do we really treat it as time spent with God, or do we treat it as a check mark off the list of things to do? Or Small little nuggets of truth that we want to take. Why do we peck at his word so much when he has welcomed us to the feast? Why do we treat God as that friend who sends us a text message and we say, I guess I'll text him, but you know, I don't really want to call him right now. I don't really want to talk to that guy. So some of you have those kind of people. I don't want to talk to them. I'll send them a text later. But there's that one person that does text you, and you don't even text them back. You pick up the phone and you call them. Not only that, you go to a private room. Why? Because we understand the importance, we understand that bond, we understand that connection, that friendship, that intimacy, the joy we have of that person. How many of you love to hear from a friend you haven't heard from in a long time and be excited about? I just spent an hour and a half on the phone with them catching up. Do you have that joy with God? Or do you sit there with the open pages of Scripture... With your phone in one hand, talking to three people on the side and the TV going. Can God speak to us that way? Sure. But those of you who are good husbands know that as much as you love doing things with other people, with your wife alongside you, that sooner or later you need to spend some one on one time. Do we treat God with that same respect and importance? Yes, there is so much importance with us coming here together as a family. There's so much importance in coming together in discipleship. There's so much importance in coming together in Bible Max. But there's great importance in spending that one-on-one time with God uninterrupted. Away from all the distractions. Away from all the crazy things that the world has to do distract us and to keep our minds away from God. It is vitally important. And if God is our king and if we are his servants, then why do we treat all the servants with the respect and honor of a king, but we treat God as a peasant? Why do we say, I'll give you five minutes if I'm not too tired at the end of the day. You did save me after all. I hope that stings as much as that has stung for me this week. Press in to his word. Press into it. There's so much to be had in it. Here's what Jesus says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The spirit of truth. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. That doesn't mean that we can go around pointing out things in other people's lives, but don't point out things in my lives because I have the spirit. Is not what that means. Read what it says. Judges all things, not all people, but is himself to be judged himself to be judged by no one. Why? Because if we are under the protection and the fatherhood of God, then we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is, in fact, the spirit of truth. What does that mean? That means he is the standard. That means He himself is to be judged by no one. No one is allowed to come alongside of what the Holy Spirit has taught you and said and say, "Uh, you know, I don't think that's really true. Because the spirit of truth is the standard of truth. And where do we find it? Right here. The word of God, the word of truth. That's where it is. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to... Instruct him, he quotes from Job there. Who's understood the mind of the Lord? No one. So he helps us to not to instruct him, but to love him, to cherish him, to seek after him. And so he says, we have the mind of Christ, but we have the mind of Christ. Are you a believer? Does God dwell within you because of what Christ has done for you if not why do you neglect it we give thanks for so many things on Thanksgiving that will fade away but God who does not do we give him the same thanks do we give him the same honor do we give him the same respect flip with me to Romans 12, verse 2. And this is how we'll bring it all together. If you read this with me, Paul is pretty much summarizing everything that he said in 1 Corinthians. So what he said Romans 12, two. This is a verse that we hold very near and dear to us here at this church. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you see some similarities there? Paul says we have received not the spirit of this world but the spirit of God. And so he says, do not be conformed to this world because they live and eat and breathe by the spirit of this world and not by the Holy Spirit. He said that we are transformed not by our wittiness, but by the renewal of our minds. How do we understand that? In first Corinthians, it is that we have received the mind of Christ, which is the renewal of. Of our minds and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God the Holy Spirit teaches us the will of God and we discern that because it is spiritually discerned just like we read in 1 Corinthians if you want to understand everything we've just read Romans 12 2 is a great place to be because it is about God bringing us out of our hostility towards Him, giving us the Holy Spirit for so many different reasons and blessings. And then we're called to live in the will of God to understand what His will is for us and to rejoice, because that's a beautiful thing. And so if I can just beg with you, I think we really neglect that God has given us the Holy Spirit. We we really do. We neglect that He has called us to read and understand His Word, and He helps us understand with the Spirit of truth. I can't tell you how many times I've been struggling through things and wondering things about God. And when I finally got into His Word and read it, it's like, oh, there's an answer for that, and that, and that, and that, and that. But it's not just an accumulation of facts. It is the very depths of God and the heart of God. So I want to call everyone here, including myself, to don't be that guy who wants to be comfortable all day and fish at the pond. But go with the guy who wants to call you on a day of adventure. Go to the deep sea and enjoy all the depths and all the majesty that's in it. Because that is the life that God has called us to as his children. Don't neglect that. We waste our lives on so many things. Let's not waste it anymore. Let's 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 dig in, as it were, to what God has for us. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that sermon that I preached a while back, and I hope that you are encouraged to dig deep into the depths of God himself, where he can be found, and that is in his holy word that he has given to us what we call the Bible. And by the way, friend, if you are interested in submitting an episode idea to me, please feel free to do so. I would love to spend an episode answering a Bible question or question about theology that you might have. And a simple way that you can do that is by going to betterbiblereading.com forward slash ask. You can also find the link there if you just go to my homepage, but a quick reference, betterbiblereading.com forward slash ask. You can submit your question to me. I can answer it either in blog format or podcast episode, whatever's more appropriate to the question you're asking. But I would love to do that. So please feel free to contact me. Thanks again for all your support. Have a great day. God bless.